very much hoping that you didn't just decide to start watching Argentine football for the first time this past weekend. Welcome to Hand of Pod. the 223rd episode of the internet's finest English language Argentine football podcast. I'm Sam Kelly and this week I'm joined by Andres Bruckner. Hello Sam. And nobody else. Hello Andres. Yes, we are getting out of the Three Little Ducks episode. Yeah, and what better way to um, warm ourselves up because it's rather a nippy evening in Buenos Aires than by sitting in a freezing cold living room drinking ice cold fernet. Yes, win-win. Hopefully, hopefully I'll have my heating back soon, but uh, it's very much fingers crossed at the moment. Winter has definitely started. Anyway, first of all, let's go over um, the scores from the weekend just gone, and I've just realised I've opened this website in private browsing for some reason, which means I've not got the benefit of my ad blocker, which is a bit annoying. Um, The weekend just gone in the Argentine Primera División. Went as follows. Atletico de Rafaela 3, Patronato de Paraná 1, Olimpo de Bahia Blanca 2, Aldo Civi 1, Vélez Sarsfield 1, Argentinos Juniors 0, Unión de Santa Fe 1, Colón de Santa Fe 0, Arsenal de Sarandí 0, Defensa y Justicia 0, San Lorenzo 1, Huracán 0, Godoy Cruz 1, San Martín de San Juan 0, Lanús 2, Banfield 0. And if you think that's a lot of 0 so far... Get ready. On Sunday, we had the following. Newell's Old Boys, nil. Rosario Central, nil. Boca Juniors, nil. River Plate, nil. Racing Club, nil. Independiente, nil. And Belgrano de Córdoba, nil. Atletico Tucumán, nil. On Monday, Tigre beat sorry. Sarmiento, 2-0 Atletico in Victoria. Atletico Rafaela, not Tucumán. No, it's Atletico Tucumán. Yes? Atletico, oh, sorry. Atletico de Rafaela uh, beat Patronato 3-1 on Friday. Oh, sorry. That's all right. Uh, on Monday, Tigre beat Sarmiento 2-0 in Victoria, and Quilmes beat Tempele 2-0 in Quilmes. Not very many goals, were there? Yeah, 17 as, I, as far as I'm... It's not very hard to, to count the, the yeah. number of goals. And uh, not a single one uh, from an away team in any of the Clásicos. I, I thought it was uh, Belgrano Atlético Rafaela just because Santa Fe and Córdoba are... are uh, they, they limit one province with the other. Yeah, that might have made more sense as a... Yes. Sort of classical, mightn't it? Yeah. Um, in fact, there weren't any goals from any away sides, and classicals or not, after Friday evening. On Friday, the first two matches, Atletico Rafaela versus Patronato and Olimpo versus Aldo Civi, both involved the away teams scoring but losing, and after that, none of the away teams managed a goal. Um, so, after a, or rather, partway through a championship in which we've had an average of 2.71 goals per game, um, We've had an average in this weekend just gone of 1.13. It's more more matches, less goals. Uh, because, well, I, I heard uh, uh, that a reason, uh, a possible reason why there have been so many, so uh, uh, few goals uh, is that uh, the ones that were in charge of, of the schedule of, the, of, the, of this uh, round of the Clásicos, the Fecha de los Clásicos, they already knew that the Copa Libertadores round of 16 was starting this week. Yeah. And they chose the, the, the week before or uh, three days before uh, the, the, this round of the Clásicos, in which we always say, and it's clear that the uh, uh, matches are special, that they don't, that teams doesn't uh, ha- take, take uh, too many risks. They they care, they try to care of the of not conceding any goals. And in this case, it's much a maximum situation because uh, they were going to to play for Copa Libertadores and they didn't want to get injuries. Injuries, there were injuries, uh, but uh, not because of the of the uh, of the play. That because of the of the. I think we will go, we will we are going to mention that uh, after 
in, in a moment, but uh, it was because of the uh, state of the of the of the pitch. Um, but yes, I think that has to not the only reason, but it has to do the the, the way they they programmed, they made the the plan, the 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 these features classicos, the 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 round of the classicos, uh, undoubtedly. Yeah, the number of goals per week so far in the championship from uh, I'll, I'll go through them week by week. We have 35, 50, 37, 40, 45, 48, 33, 52 in round 8, 43, 46, 41, 17, as you say. Um, and yeah, I mean, we, like, like you've already said, we always know that Classicos are going to be very tight matches. Neither side wants to lose. And you have, with, with the Libertadores round of 16, I mean, the Super Classico, Bocavi River, both of those teams are involved in the Libertadores round of 16, uh, both of them on Thursday evening. Um, and for the last, I mean, for the first hour or so, it was just not a particularly good match. And then for the last half hour, it was really apparent that both of them just sort of said, OK, we don't want to sort of knacker ourselves out too much here. We don't want to take too many risks. Boca were playing with 10 men, albeit at home. River, of course, were playing away. Um, we don't want to take any unnecessary risks here because we do have matches that ultimately are more important coming up in midweek. Um, and it really led to just a dreadfully dull, particularly Sunday. Perhaps Boca, uh, I say this, of course, uh, hypothetically, uh, with the win against River and with the, that win, what that mean, the win means, uh, we'll have still got a minimum, very minimum chance to reach at least second place at, the, at their zone. I think they wouldn't, but uh, with the anemical situation of winning against River, that would have been a possibility. Hmm. When Pablo Perez uh, was uh, received the, the red card, that chances, I think, they came uh, to zero. Um, because of that, uh, all the things we have been, we, we are mentioning now, uh, even though that they play tomorrow, which is a Thursday night, uh, it's four days after the, 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 the match against River, which is, of course, better than, than Racing that is playing now, uh, three days after the, the, the match against Independiente, it's one day one less day to, to, to rest and, 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 and prepare the team. Um, and, well, River didn't, uh, wasn't able to, to break the, the Boca, the, 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 their back. And, uh, River were very, very poor. Yes. I mean, Perez got sent off after 10 minutes uh, for the benefit of those who didn't see the match. First of all, well done for not watching it. Um, but Pablo Perez got sent off after 10 minutes for booting in their Alvarez Balanta at the arse, basically. Um, why on earth he continues to, to get big matches for Boca when, when we all know what his disciplinary problems are, I don't know. Thereafter, River uh, didn't really do anything to break them down at all. Only, and, uh, Andres yes. D'Alessandro played you know, a sort of normal game, and yet he seemed to stand out head and shoulders over everybody else on the pitch. It was, uh, didn't say very much for the standard of, of, of the match overall. He looked incredible because... Uh, he, he was the one, the only one uh, in River that trying something something different, not uh, reaching something really spectacular, but uh, with some long long, long distance shots uh, and a free kick that uh, Orion saved magnif magnificently. Uh, but uh, that was the only thing to to rescue from a yes, you said poor, very poor. The, the, we weren't used to. A, a nil nil classic with a poor game a, a style of play because uh, one way or another uh, or Boca River were uh, uh, managed to to score at least one goal with the Sudamericana uh, and Libertadores Clásicos and in this case it was a, a, a non, no, nothing to play for a, a tournament match and, and they were as poor as in the 90s and, and, and the de past decade in which they, they, we, are, we were used to, 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 to watch poor games, nil-nil games, uh, mm. and, and now they, they played again that way. Uh, it would be silly of us, given that not very much happened in it, to dwell for too long on the Super Classico, so we shall move on quickly to Sunday's other Classicos, in which, similarly, not very much happened. All of them had pretty much one talking point. 
Uh, we've already mentioned Pablo Perez kicking Valanta out of the arse for, for Boca against River. Uh, Maxi Rodriguez was... Uh, I, I thought Valanta had his back turned. I've seen people say oh. stomach and chest and side. To me, it looked like he boosted him up the arse. And, and uh, another thing to, to say about the classical just to close perhaps the the the, sentence, the, the summary of the, of the poor match... Is a the another gago injury in the in their uh, how do you say it, tendon de Achilles? Eh? Oh, of course, yeah, that was the other talking point. Well done. Uh, in in the Achilles tendon. Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah, the Achilles tendon. <laughs> For Fernando Gago, who uh, hurt himself whilst taking a dive to try and get Lucas Alario booked for the second time, um, which I suppose is you could argue that it's karma in a way. It's also very unfortunate for Boca Juniors in a way. Boca sought AFA permission to make an emergency signing because Gago's obviously going to be out for the rest of the championship and they won't be able to play this emergency signing in the league but they will be able to if they can get him registered in time uh, in the Copa Libertadores knockout stages it was a deal was agreed with Gimnasia for their midfielder um, Fabian Rinaldo who is half owned by Catania, Catania isn't it yeah. yes um, and Catania apparently said no, they weren't going to let him move on loan to Boca for two months. So the last I heard, it was still up in the air, and Boca didn't really have a clue. Well, or they, they wanted, of course, they they, they are the, own, the owners of the of the of the player, and they wanted. I think one, I heard this. I don't know if it's confirmed. One point five million euro to to release him. Uh, but well, that that was something I heard, and I don't know. If it's true, mm. um, but um, I, I thought, or at least I, I got confused because uh, I, I thought they, they, that Boca would be able to sign a, a free agent player, not a, a player that was already playing. Yeah, that was what the Apple originally said. If, yes. if they're a free agent, then you can sign them. Argentinian, uh, free agent Argentinian, and not playing the Copa, of course. Yes. For yeah, yeah. Another team. But uh, there you go. Rules being bent for them. No different to what we we don't see plenty of. Um, in the Clásico Rosarino, the main talking point, I missed it, in fact, because it happened in the first half, um, was that Maxi Rodriguez went in very hard as well on a Rosario Central player. Uh, that player was... Um, was it Damian Musto? Could be. I, I, pitch, I missed... Well, that was also, I mean, from the second half at least, which I did see, that was that was a, another similarly I, I, dull match. I watched a, a, like a, a very little sum, summary of the match uh, in which Serbi was already kicked mm. uh, several times. Oh, it could have been him, maybe. But, um, could, be, could be. I mean, that, that's a match in which Newells are just not very good at the moment. Central, clearly the better team, but playing away, and again, have Libertadores. Um, round of 16 commitments this week. They're playing tonight, in fact, aren't they? Yes, we're currently watching um, Racing against Atletico Mineiro. There are 13 minutes gone and it's goalless. Racing had a goal disallowed for offside just a minute ago, um, which was correctly disallowed. Um, and Central play Gremio. at home against Gremio. No, they yeah. play at the Porto Alegre tonight. And they're away. And then, yes. Oh, they finished, se- did they finish second in there? Oh, no, of course, sorry. They won the group, so they have the second yes. leg at home, don't they? Yeah, I'm getting confused. Um, yep, so they're in Porto Alegre, as Andres says, at... Uh, well, later on tonight. So if you keep listening, as usual, after the final theme music, I will give you the full-time scores from both of those matches. Um, so not much to say about that one. Belgrano against Atletico Tucumán was not a Clásico. Um, but similarly, not very much happened. Mm. It was the best match of Sunday, but it was still pretty bad in its own way. Racing against Independiente was another terrible it's game. The, the, the River Boca version of Avellaneda, yeah. I would say. Um, and on this occasion, at least, it actually turned out to be that. It's normally one of the higher scoring of the big Clásicos in Argentina, but that was not the case this time around. Um, there were, it sort of started off fairly lively for about the first ten minutes, and we thought, oh, this is a bit of a pick-up, and then nothing happened. Um, on Saturday night, the La Plata derby, did you catch that? No. Again, didn't miss very much. I did watch it, and I wished I hadn't. Lanús! Finally, a Clásico, which actually involved a good performance. Uh, Lanús um, got a very well-deserved win against Banfield with two fantastically taken goals. Um, one of them was an absolute rocket into the top corner from 25 yards out, plus a bit of an angle uh, from Victor... Um, I've forgotten his surname. <laughs> Victor Ashana, thank you. Um, after a short free kick, I hit it beautifully. 
and the second um, in deep into stoppage time was from Miguel Almiron who uh, raced down the pitch as Banfield sent everybody up for a corner and then very very coolly lobbed the goalkeeper it was a really nicely taken goal so well done to Manus and thank you very much for giving us something positive to mention um, not so well done to Ivan Marconi and to Walter Erbiti who both got themselves sent off um, Marconi the, the Lanus uh, midfielder um, after just 17 minutes for a second bookable offence and given that he picked up his first yellow card two minutes before that really losing it's, his head in the class what is remarkable at least it's, it's my opinion is the way the Lanus is playing which is clear now uh, three or four rounds ago I thought Rosario Central was the best team and now mm. of course it's Lanús for me um, Lanús have um, in their top of group 2 obviously and they've won 10 drawn 1 and lost 1 of their 12 matches so far this year it's incredible how they could uh, easily play Copa Libertadores the, their, their uh, way of playing the, their level uh, just justify mm. would justify the presence of, of Lanús in the Copa Libertadores but they don't they still don't know whether they will qualify to the Next edition, uh, they should uh, win their zone, which is pr likely, and then win to the uh, in, in a playoff or a final against the team winning the other zone. Um, but uh, if you, you you watch them play and you see you you think, come on, they should or they could play easily Copa Libertadores, and they it, w the way they play the other night, e even playing against Banfield, which is a, a different team they used to be with Almeida uh, at least. Uh, uh, they could, they will be for me candidates of to winning it because only because they, the way they are playing and the other night uh, I, I watched uh, part, parts of the of the game and it was very fluent, very clear and very uh, uh, they knew what they what they what they were what they were doing, which is the most difficult part yeah. uh, of, of controlling a game, controlling the. Uh, being being better than the other team, but knowing how to do it is the hardest part, and they do they do it. Mm. Yeah, uh, they have got the second best attack in the league. Only Racing have scored more goals. Um, although it's worth mentioning that Racing have also conceded more goals than Lanús have scored. Uh, Racing have scored twenty five and conceded twenty four. Lanús have scored twenty three. Uh, and they've also got the best defence and I'm not just talking about in group two I'm talking about the whole of the first division for both of these um, they've conceded just six goals um, so Lanús' goal difference is about as good as most of the other Primera sides goals scored columns um, which gives you some idea of, of just how well they're doing Walter Rebiti got a red card for Banfield to even up the numbers and make it 10v10 just a couple of minutes before Victor Rachala's, um goal in fact he, it was a second yellow card for FET and it was from the subsequent free kick that Ashala scored. And Ashala revealed, uh, I don't remember the player who told him to just make the the cross, to, to put the ball into the box. And he said, yeah, yes, I will, I will. Uh, <laughs> and he finally didn't do it and it was good result. Mm, it was indeed. Uh, look it up if you've not already seen it. Both of Lanus's goals, they're, they're lovely. Um... San Lorenzo got a win over Huracan. Nicolas Blandi with the only goal of the game after an hour. Well taken was enough. Was it a Blandi goal or a, a Mancinelli own goal? Because it was discussed then. The referee awarded it to, point, yeah. to, to Blandi, but he just pointed it in the line, I think. It was very, very doubtful because uh, when Barrientos uh, passed, passed it to, to Blandi, then Mancinelli deflected it and it looked like Mancinelli finally introduced it. Um, I have to admit that I um, can't remember it off the top of my head now what it looked like. So I'm looking it up on YouTube. And let's see whether we can find one nice short goal which just gives us the uh, video. Which, yeah, there you go. That's the Football Paradox one of just the goal. Let's have a look now. This is not particularly interesting, of course, for listeners. So I shall attempt to keep talking whilst we look at it. Yes, yes um, better. But it was definitely a deserved win overall for Huracan. Uh, for San Lorenzo, sorry. And. Ah, of course, yeah, right. Because. Blandi yeah, celebrated. Blandi actually got there yeah. before the ball crossed the line. I was. Um, yes, just in the. In the it was. It, if, if he. If it was Blandi's goal, it was just, just in the line. Yeah. Just uh, there, but. It was the ultimate act of goal poaching. Yes. Um, everybody seems to be giving it to him. I, now that I've seen it back, I do remember tweeting at the time that. Um, I got the impression I was the only person on my timeline questioning whether it was his goal or not. 
Um, but I, yeah, I'm erring towards a Mantinelli on goal, to be perfectly honest. But nobody ever, I mean, none of the TV people seem that bothered about yeah. showing us a replay of it, so they can't really decide for sure. Um, so well done, San Lorenzo, getting some measure of revenge for that stoppage time Huracan equaliser in the, the first Clásico in Parque Patricios. Um, and I guess some measure of revenge for the fact that Huracan are in the Copa Libertadores last 16 and San Lorenzo aren't. Um, other matches in which things happened well Vélez Sarsfield got a very late winner against Argentinos Juniors that's not a classico of course um, through this kid Lucas Gianetti is it Lucas Gianetti? I forgot his first name I don't uh, remember the, their name the name but Gianetti Lautaro yes. La- Lautaro no. Gianetti yes. um, so well done him I think he, it was his first goal for the club I think um, Lucas Gamba scored the only goal of the game similarly late on well 85th mm-hmm. minute for Union against Colón it was very coolly taken and by and large a little bit more of an entertaining classic than the ones that came the day after I thought um, it's not very much that very often that we will say that the Santa Fe Classico is the most entertaining one of the lot but who is the manager of Cologne right now I don't I just uh, couldn't catch that because Franco of course was uh, fired or he resigned but he's not anymore and uh, Ricardo Johansen Ah, okay. It's a temporary coach. It must be, yeah. It must be a reserve team coach or something. Um, so, well done then. Atletico de Rafael got a good win, as we mentioned. Um, which I think more than anything shows how poor Patronato were, because Atletico de Rafael remained second bottom of Group 2. That's only the second win that they have managed so far this year. Um, and Patronato. Uh, Tenth in Group One. I mean, they've not done badly at all so far. So they must have just had an off day. I would guess. I, I didn't catch too much of the game. Um, it's the first win that Atletico have recorded since the opening weekend when they beat Huracan one nil away from home, uh, and that is a Clásico in inverted commas because it's not a Clásico, um, which will be repeated. The reverse fixture is this coming weekend when Patronato um, host. Uh, Atletico de Rafaela so there'll be a measure of revenge maybe and on the table for that particular things of the of this tournament in which you you think it is a playoff uh, uh, match but no it's, it is the, 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 the way they, they program and they schedule the, the matches yeah and the other thing is that all of the Clásicos all of the actual Clásicos and, and particularly all of the big ones um, the matches that we've we had this past weekend were the, the reverse fixtures as it were so all of them have now been played twice um, so that in this sort of very short really four match run in none of those teams are going to meet again um, at least not in the league obviously it's possible that we might get a couple of them meeting in the Copa Libertadores in the next few weeks if they all have bounce um, so yeah there's mm-hmm. that uh, we're struggling for things to say, really, because of the fact that the ma- that the weekend was so dull overall. Um, but Tigre took their goals very well as well. Lucas Hanson and Jay Rodriguez, not the Southampton one, but um, his first name is Jorge. Um, both of them were fairly well taken, and not really much else to report. Kilmes um, is a bit tumbling, uh, yeah, like a revenge of the the other one in which Tumbling beat them. By and large, it's it's rather boring talking about this. Um, so let's go on to something else. Have you heard about Tigre's new plans for access to the stadium? No, I was. Tigre have announced that uh, their fans, uh, if you're one of our Australian listeners, you might have heard me this morning on a breakfast show um, talking about this. Tigre have announced that fans are going to be able to get into the ground via a microchip in their arm. Um, which as long as they've got their um, membership payments up to date will act like the the membership card does and they'll be able to scan it over the turnstile this is predictably, first of all it seems to have been more widely reported outside Argentina than inside Argentina which possibly gives you some idea of uh, Tigre's standing within the the game here in the eyes of many Primera fans and the media Um, but the ones who have become aware of it have made all kinds of mocking comments. I've heard, I, I saw a couple of guys saying, why do they have to choose Tigre? Their fans are going to have to get two microchips for each, one, each of the teams they support. Do they do dual yes. SIM and that kind of thing? Um, and also, of course, it's led to a fair few fans um, questioning why on earth a team want to microchip their own supporters and then they're going to be spying on them and things like that. Um, so that was uh, 
an entertaining little diversion. Yeah. I suspect that mostly Tigre were doing it in order to get people talking about them, and they've succeeded because I just spent two minutes talking about it. And I also suspect that nobody's going to go for it. It's like San Lorenzo when Donald Trump had to say he wasn't uh, interested in buying uh, the club. Uh, in the United States, San Lorenzo hasn't. They didn't even know what it is, and, and, and they were there at the Donald Trump official Twitter account saying that, no, I'm not interested in buying San Lorenzo. I've completely forgotten that that had happened, so thank you for bringing it back up again. Um, other than that, not very much else to report, um, except that the AFA are sending a group of people, apparently in the next few weeks. It will not include Luis Segura because he doesn't want to... Um, Uh, prejudice the the next um, president of the AFA, whoever that might be, because he's he's announced that he's not going to be standing again for the presidency when the next election attempt is in June. Um, but they're going to be sending a, a group of people to Herzogenaurach, which is where the world headquarters of Adidas are, to try and renegotiate the national team kit contract because they need more money. AFA completely broke. They're owed eight hundred thousand million billion squillion pesos by the government or something like that for football para todos um, but they don't have enough money to get to the end of the month well they, they, I heard uh, uh, when we are, we were discussing with English Dan about the Superliga uh, I think it was Espinosa the Banfield president saying that the way football Argentino Argentine football is right now they don't they won't survive with the free free football for you mean Not paid football, mm. uh, and they w they will need a, a, an, an urgent, uh, a different method of, of, of organizing football with a well. Uh, he didn't say exactly. Yes, people we have to pay. They uh, football uh, free football is not uh, uh, good anymore for us. But uh, in a way or another, he he uh, said he said that uh, mm. not directly, but. He finally said something different, something, something like that. Um, so it's uh, from the from last week to this one. I think there wasn't there weren't any news or relevant news about that about the Super League, about the uh, money, about the people if we, they will have to pay or not. Uh, like it was uh, until the 2009 uh, when uh, AFA broke the contract to with torneos y competencias and and. and And they created football para todos. Yeah. There is not any any news now, uh, any any new news. No, I and think. I mean, it's a problem that's obviously not going to go away because what football para todos did, I guess, for for all the positives and negatives of it, is that it's kind of changed the discourse of what Argentine fans expect. Those who don't go to the ground, those who like watching football, multiple matches on a weekend on television. They're now going to expect to have that each week. Um, and for better or worse, it, it's unlikely to be paying for itself. I mean, Football para todos came about as a political exercise. As Nestor Kirchner said when he first launched it, it, it was never about uh, it was never about state um, uh, the state coffers and, and, and trying to, to bring in advertising revenue for the Argentine state or anything like that. It was about politics, pure and simple. It wasn't yeah, that was in the middle of a political... Of a, we Of course, we won't talk about uh, politics here, but uh, it was all, all of these football battles in the middle had something to do with the uh, struggle uh, Kirchner had with Clarín, which was the owner of Torneos y Competencias, the, 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 who were in charge of the rights, who, who had the, the rights of the of the football of the soccer, of, of football, and, and they uh, uh, and people had to pay uh, with. Uh, Uh, an extra money apart from cable to, to watch the matches and and, and the former president uh, had a, a fight with group the group Clarín group which is, was the owner and and that made him uh, easier to to terminate the contract and try to 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 organize football or at least to to broadcast football in another way and to make it free for people Yeah, um, which has to say, if, if the rights then go to a private company, I think we mentioned last week yes, that yes. if a private company wins the rights, then the government has, has said that they have to 
uh, guarantee that they'll be free. All the matches will be free to air still for the first three years, which is the length of time the current Football Paratodos contract runs from, runs until sorry. Um, but then after that, it's sort of it's all going to be up in the air. There's not going to be anything that people can do to take to stop them from taking football away, as, as people will see it here. Um, and the, I guess I mean the, the the worry that I would have about that is that okay in. In England, which is the model that everybody looks to when it comes to trying to get television rights in, um, in in England, this kind of you have the negative of nobody who's not got a well for a very long time anyway. At least it was a Sky TV subscription. Obviously, I, I'm aware that that's changed in the last couple of years there now. Um, but nobody who's not got a, a cable or a satellite television subscription can can see the games. Um, but at least, and I'm not trying to paint this as a positive because I'm one of those people who didn't have a cable or satellite TV subscription for a very long time um, before I came here. Um, but at least the the money gets invested and, and and sort of pushes the standard of the league up. Whereas here, I'm not at all convinced that would happen. I mean, the AFA we know because Julio Grandona mentioned it, mentioned doing it, boasted about it in a TV sting a few years ago, which all the same didn't affect any of its chances of getting re-elected as AFA president. We know that they hold back money from the clubs that's, that's due to the clubs for television well, rights and all the rest of it. About, so, strictly, about, strictly about the money issue that clubs have, is uh, there was a possibility for uh, Mauricio Macri, the, well, the, president, the actual president of Argentina, that he, we know that he loves companies, enterprises, and he, he installed the idea, the possible idea, optional idea, as far as I heard, for clubs to be converted into into companies with owners, and uh, Lamens was the only one, the president, San Lorenzo president, the only one in which uh, uh, in uh, refusing that idea, uh, totally refused refused it. Uh, he said that he said what we all know that the club is the owners of the club is are the members, the socios, and that they he has no intention to change that. Of course, the problem is how, and that's why you said that uh, uh, they were they, they went to her Henaurak. Well, I don't mm. know how to pronounce it uh, to uh, negotiate with Adidas the, 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 about the price they pay for the kids of the national team. Yeah, and and well, yes, it's serious problem about the money, but uh, uh, and and companies in, uh, uh, being involved into football will make, will mean. Fresh money, but of course we we know what that means for Argentinian clubs, which are which have a, a very strong uh, sense with the with the socios, with the members, mm. for whom it's not only a club, it's not only a team that plays on Sundays, but in some cases or in a lot of cases, they use it use it as a social way of of of, of belonging to them uh, as 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 a different point to what happens in Europe in some cases. Which are only football clubs, and this is it. Yeah, um, Adidas uh, apparently uh, happy to join in these conversations. We're going to demand a few things of, of the AFA. Um, they were not particularly happy, for instance, at the presentation of the last Argentina kit that only a couple of the, I guess, you, without wanting to sound cruel, but a couple of the fringe players turned up to the presentation of that kit, and, and the main stars who Adidas would have liked to have. Um, as part of that photo shoot, Lionel Messi, Sergio Aguero, Angel Di Maria, so on, um, weren't there. They, they don't want another one of those. They want guarantees that, that that won't happen again. And obviously they're going to ask for a few more um, controls of similar things, sort of publicity shoots involving more of the, the big national team stars um, more frequently uh, in order to, to give the AFA more money. So they're not sort of indisposed to, to renegotiate the contract, but they're going to be wanting a fair... Um, fairer deal themselves and apparently the contract is going to be renewed up until 2030 if they forget their way that's again as I said before with the television uh, deal conversation last week in a country with 35% annual inflation at the moment um, which certainly one government for a long time struggled to keep under control and, and which the new government don't show any signs so I I'm not an economist but yeah. prices haven't stopped going down yet um, so it, it seems brave to me to try and negotiate a contract that's going to last for the next 14 years at presumably a fixed price because it's on the international market. 
Um, I don't know why they don't do something a little bit shorter term and have you know raises in the middle of it and everything if, if that's what's going to happen. Um, but anyway, we shall go away now and refill glasses and we'll come back um, after this very short interlude and we'll answer some of your listeners' questions. So don't go away. questions uh, this week we have had a few as usual um, the first of which once I found it here is we did have somebody a new listener, Alexandre Luke hello, don't know whether he's actually a new listener or whether it's just the first time he's tweeted who said a few days ago uh, asked us what our theme music was I've um, mentioned this before but probably before he started listening uh, so for the benefit of new listeners if you like our theme music it was composed specially for us uh, by my best mate, who is a musician. So, there we go. Um, Darren Paul asks, what are Racing's chances tonight, and why can't we defend FFS with the same players we had seven-plus clean sheets in 2014? Um, it, we're cheating a little bit, because, of course, it's already 40 minutes in now that by the time we're answering, and uh, by the time this goes online, it will have finished. Um, but I would say, so far at least, that uh, Racing's chances tonight against Atletico Mineiro are more than good. Yes, it's a, well. the team is not clear. There is not a clear favourite right now. It's even, but uh, Racing is a bit uh, in more in, in the side of Mineiro. Uh, we will see if they can convert that into goals. Yeah, definitely. And Oscar Romero is playing predictably nicely. Um, Racing managed their first league clean sheet of the season in the Classical de Avellaneda the weekend just gone. I've just just looked up their uh, uh, fixture list and, and the results so far, and that nil-nil against Independiente was the first time this year. It was only the second time this year that Racing had failed to score in the league, and it was the first time this year that they've kept a league clean sheet. Uh, they had a nil-nil draw, of course, with Boca Juniors in the Copa Libertadores group stage as well. Um, so that was Darren's question swiftly out of the way. You can't defend because, well, it's not been all the same players, has it? Luciano Lolo, as, as English Dan mentions every time he's on, um, and indeed, as I've mentioned a couple of times, he's injured out long term, and he's the rock at the heart of Racing's defence. Um, the problems really have, have started since he got injured, I would say. Yes, I mean, did, it, did he play the 5-0 against Newell's, or the, rather the 0-5 against Newell's? Carry on, Andres. Sorry, I'll, I'll no. I, I I think that there is not one thing, one only player is not uh, capable of changing a whole def- defense. But the way that um, the way Vitor was playing, I think that Lolo uh, coming back it would be very very good for Racing. Yeah, uh, Lolo did not play in the five 0 defeat against Newells or in the two two draw with San Martin that preceded it which leads me to believe he must have got himself injured on the opening weekend against Atletico Tucumán would that be right? Mm-hmm. or was he already oh he was already injured or suspended then wasn't he and he came back in for one game and injured himself oh. after that oh they have kept a, a previous clean sheet sorry they beat Boca 1-0 in the league as well so they've kept two league clean sheets plus one in the Libertadores group stage also against Boca so three in total so far but Luciano Lolo is, is the key I think clearly he shouldn't be he should be able to organise a defence uh, without just the one player, albeit one of the best players in the team. Well, as long as is. you, uh, with that uh, thing of, of conceding so many goals, but also scoring so many goals, uh, as long as you have the, you, you you keep the power, the goal power, it's okay. Uh, the, the the problem is when you are still defending poorly and, and and apart from that, don't score. You don't score the goals you were scoring. In that case, yes, it's. it's that's something to worry about. But uh, when when we were talking about River uh, victory against Tachira four uh, three, uh, English then I think I think he said something that like River defended like Racing because they considered a lot of goals, but they win they won. And uh, I I said that the 
something of course new is famous that uh, Johan Cruyff used to say he preferred to win 5-4 than 1-0 mm. uh, if it, if that if you can keep that all of the matches you win all of the matches the problem is that you can't keep that all of the matches no especially not when you're in the knockout stages of a continental yes. championship and those away goals count um the next question is one that I'm just trying to bring up the Copa Libertadores uh, sort of tree um, to see what the route for each team is because it comes from uh, Wayward from Hayward who asks who are the more dark, more likely dark horse to win the Copa Libertadores? Is it San Paulo or Racing? So those two teams... Dark horse, you mean the sort of surprise? outside bet? Uh, yeah, mm. surprise side, I guess. They're actually going to meet in the quarterfinal if they both win their round of 16 games. Um, Racing, as I say, are currently playing Atletico Mineiro. San Paulo have the first leg at home to Toluca and the second leg away to Toluca um, next week. The first leg, sorry, is tomorrow evening, not next week. So having to play both legs in one week would be a bit harsh, even for Libra Doris. Mm. Um, I'm going to say Racing. San Paulo were really disappointing in the group stage. Uh, obviously, we, we saw a fair bit of them, both of us, because well, they were in Rivers Do you group. mean the ones that have been, have been playing well in the, in, the, in the group stage? I would say, for example, Pumas or Toluca, the, mm. the Mexican sides that we have been talking about, in which they, they don't get the final stages uh, seriously enough, like Tigres, for example, last year, in which... Yeah. They were the best team. They had the best players, but in the final they weren't. Uh, they wouldn't have. They, they didn't have the personality to, to finally win the cup, yeah. the, the tournament. Oh, ultimately, uh, I don't think either Racing or San Paulo are going yes. to win the Libertadores. Uh, but I do. If if you ask me to bet on on whether they'll meet in the quarterfinals at the moment, I think that they, that they won't. Um, I think it'll be. Between Racing and Atletico Mineiro, from what we've seen so far in the first half, it's now just coming up to half-time, um, there doesn't seem to be very much. And indeed, I think even before the game, we would have said that if Racing are on their game, there's not going to be much to choose between them. Um, but I do think that it's going to be one of these two against Toluca in the next round rather than against São Paulo. Because São Paulo, I mean, when you start off your group campaign by losing to the strongest at home, it's just... And we have to mention about São Paulo that they had... I think it was Cal- only Caleri in, uh, sent off mm. against the Trunches. They had a, of course he's suspended, isn't he? Yeah. Yes, uh, they had a, a, a fight there in between the players and the, and the right and after the, the full time whistle. Yes. Mm. Sorry to interrupt, but yeah, no, yes. you're, you're you're spot on. They've, they've got their most important attacking player out for at least the first leg as well. Um, so I would say in in direct response to Wayward from Hayward's question. Um, Neither of those two sides are, are probably going to win it, but uh, Racing are the more likely, if only because I think they're far, by far the more likely to actually be in the yes. quarterfinal. And obviously, if you're not in the quarterfinals, yes. you can't win it. Uh, Scott Monroe asks, uh, which of the Racing trio of Luciano Lolo, Gustavo Bo and Oscar Romero do you think will leave in the summer to go to Europe? I think he means leave in the winter, because we're in the Southern Hemisphere here, Scott. Um, but I think we can all agree that Gustavo Bo is the most likely to do so. Um, just as I was typing that Atletico Mineiro missed a beautiful chance to take the lead um, yeah, in fact, partly because of Lolo's injury I mean Lolo was very nearly sold before he got injured and in fact Bo had in the summer some, in the Argentinian summer had a, a, a discussion there with the members the board members with yeah. Victor Blanco the president and he was like I go to the pre-season I don't I will I, I won't uh, and perhaps the relationship is not good I put this question by the way to one of our Racing fans because obviously yes. neither of them are here for this recording tonight so I, I direct messaged Seba on Twitter um, an hour or two ago when I saw it from Scott um, to put it to him and just check as well who, whether Racing had already accepted bids for either of them and so on um, and he said that uh, Bo was almost signed by West Ham uh, apparently in January and didn't go because they have work permit issues um, but the interest obviously I mean whether it's from an English club or whether it's from uh, somebody in Spain or Italy or Germany or, or Portugal or whoever is not going to go away um, and with Lolo being injured long term it sort of put the dampeners a bit on some of the uh, interest in him so I would say that Gustavo Bo is, is the most likely Oscar Romero of course 
very talented player. Whoever signs him is going to be doing fantastic business by doing so. But he's a relatively new player, and I think they'll probably want to try and hang on to him for another six months at least. But you always uh, get surprised by news or rumors because they are all, all, all of them rumors mm. uh, of players that could leave, like for example, Rusi from River. At, I I read on in a spe uh, River specialized uh, internet site that Inter was looking for Rusi, who is not having a very good season, to be honest. Mm. But anyway, Inter was interested in them, and they, they are following him since he played for the sub-17 national team from, uh, when he played yeah. for 20, in 2013. Uh, it's surprising because he's not having a very good season. But then again, have you seen Inter recently? Uh -huh. <laughs> have you seen Inter recently? <laughs> no, no, well, uh, he could be a, a good companion for, for Icardi, perhaps. That's, yeah, yes. I mean, Driussi is a weird one. I mean, just as Dan said on one of his recent appearances, I, he's not been entirely convincing. In fact, he's been a very long way from entirely convincing. Um, and yet people seem to be interested anyway. So we shall see. Uh, Wayward from Hayward is back with another one. He says, professional sports teams here in the US are considering adopting sponsors' logos to be worn on jerseys. Good, bad or evil? I'm going for bad, but evil possibly a bit much. I mean, I'm very much a... Um, When it comes at least to, to football shirts, I'm very much one of these against modern football people who thinks that sports clubs, uh, jerseys or shirts or whatever, always look better without a sponsor. Um, but having said that, the reason that these professional sports leagues in the States, which are all obviously massive um, income generators, I think in fact that the three major sports leagues in the States are the second, third and fourth biggest income generating um, sports leagues on the planet behind the English Premier League um, possibly I think the NFL might even be bigger um, I believe um, and they've seen how it works in football and they've decided that they want some is my guess yes. uh, I, I think I mean by and large it's not like it's gonna if you're watching the game you know I, I don't think oh this would be a much better match if neither of the sides shirts had sponsors on them although yes, there was a Manchester derby a few years ago where um, I think it was on the 50th anniversary of the Munich air crash when both United well United wore a 1958 style shirt and City wore a modern one but without the sponsor on it and it looked beautiful in the photography the day after the game um, I'm not convinced it actually made it a better match it was in fact a pretty poor match and United played very badly and lost um, but um, So there's a certain thing. I mean, you know, I, I, I would like, say, the Premier League to announce there's going to be one weekend of every season in which clubs have to play in retro-style shirts with no sponsors on them, just because it looks nice. Uh, but that would be silly and it would be rather a marketing gimmick, but it's still something that, in my opinion, should definitely be done. But um, in terms of actually seriously answering the question, sponsors on shirts, is this good or bad or whatever, uh, it's something that would be lovely if it didn't happen but I don't think it does well, it's, a lot of harm it's good deal the deal is good and it's big deal but not not nice perhaps for the the, the I mean you are you're a, a, a supporter you buy a t-shirt uh, if it's official and, and it will have a sponsor and you will like have the the, the, yeah. the advertisement of that company That's in your, thing, yeah, in you're your chest of, you're paying to advertise yes. But then, in that respect, I guess it's no different to buying a T-shirt with a massive, I guess, depending on what you dress in, but with a massive Quicksilver logo or a massive Calvin Klein logo, or whatever on it as yeah, well. Yeah, you, you could say, okay, I have the official T-shirt, but I don't phone of BBA, yeah. the, the bank that is sponsoring River, for example. Mm. I am not a fan of them. I just use wearing the, the official T-shirt because it's the official one and... That, And this is it. And Although here, at least, there I've seen in quite a few places, they seem to be relatively easy to find. I mean, comparing them, at least with the situation in England, last time I was there, at least, uh, is that here you seem to be able to buy the official shirt but without the sponsor on it if you want to, uh, which is something that I'm very, I'm very much like um, for, for the fan. It, they're not always... I, I seem to think that they were easier to get when I first came here in 2003 than they are now, uh, but they're still certainly available for a lot of clubs, partly, of course, because the shirts get launched before the sponsors are necessarily um, announced at times. Um, Liam Kelly says, which was the most boring Clásico of the round? <laughs> Some very stiff competition for yes. this one. Boca River, Racing Independiente, Gimnasia Estudiantes, both are, all of them was... I'm going to give my vote to Racing Independiente. 
just ahead of the other two, but really, in fact, the, the other three, because I will throw Newell's central into the mix as well. Um, but, yeah, I mean, really, it was much of a muchness. Um, he, Liam also asks, who is going down? He thinks it's going to be one of Argentinos, Sarmiento, Tempele and Patronato, which means that I've got to bring up the relegation table, which obviously has got those teams... Um, in the bottom positions at the moment he's giving some safety to Atletico de Rafaela because they have a bit of a cushion they're going to be in serious trouble next year probably I would agree that they're probably going to stay up because they've got a decent season from 2013-14 still um, I think it's going to be Argentinos Juniors to be honest it's not a particularly original prediction because they are the current bottom team in the relegation standings what I think is uh, it will be between Argent uh, Argentinos, uh, Patronato or Temperley. Mm. Not Sarmiento because uh, if there is something, a single thing that Caruso is good on is uh, to save, save teams uh, that course, are, yeah. uh, have problems with the, pro with the average, with the descenso. Mm. It's probably worth just going back over Sarmiento's recent results which saw him take charge It was after the uh, after the 3-0 defeat away to Belgrano, wasn't it? So he's now been in charge for one, two, three, four, five, six matches. They've lost two of those, but one of them was his second game in charge, 1-0 to Rosario Central, who was still very, very good at the time. And the other was just this last weekend, um, away to Tigre, uh, by two goals to nil. Prior to that, he managed three draws and a victory that they would not have been expecting at home to Colón. Um, and the run-in for Sarmiento is away to Banfield, at home to Patronato, and then at home to Tigre and then away to Olimpo on the last day. I would agree that I have a feeling that they're going to be okay, partly as well because they've got that home game against Patronato. Um, if they can get a win from that, then that would be beating one of their direct rivals. And also the other reason that I think they'll stay up is just that Argentinos are just so bad. So very, yes, very bad. Yes. Um Next question is from Arch Bell, one of my ESPN editors. So, hello, Arch. Um, hope I've read out your name sufficiently respectfully. And he asks, does life continue after Nestor Ortigosa misses a penalty? In this case, there was for San Lorenzo because uh, they finally got the win. Yeah. Uh, but I don't know if Ortigosa will change some, something on, in the way of Of shooting penalties. It was as if the world stopped spinning on its axis for a brief second. Nestor Ortigosa has taken 34 penalties, I think it is, in his career. He has hit 33 of them on target. One of those was saved. And until the weekend, he had never hit one off target before. He, he'd hit a perfect 33 from 33 with only one that he failed to score, and that was because the keeper saved it. But he hit the crossbar from the spot. Um, against Orakan at the weekend which means that he's finally missed one because I'm one of those people who thinks it's wrong to say yes. that somebody's missed a penalty when in fact the goalkeeper has saved it it doesn't give full credit to the keeper um, so life clearly does continue um, but that's not to say that we didn't all skip a heartbeat and possibly just lose a little bit of our life when it happened it, it was unthinkable Carlon Carpenter asks who are the best young keepers in the Primera? Young keepers? Are there a lot of young keepers? I have no idea how old most of the goalkeepers in the Primera are. Uh, and unfortunately, there's no easy-to-get list on this website of which ones uh, they might be. Um, there aren't so many young young goalkeepers, I think. Not. Uh, I'm struggling, because Fernando Menotti... Menotti, yes. Not Menotti. Uh, um, I think he's old because he's, he's playing... He's like 26 or 27, I think, isn't he? So, yeah... We don't know is the answer. Could to that be one, one of the youngest, uh, to be honest, because yeah. uh, uh, there aren't any, there aren't uh, so much. Jeremy Morulli was good, and he he was he went to the to Real Sociedad. Guzman went from News to Tigres. Mm. Um, But even Guzman was like 27 or 28. Yes, Marchesin was uh, good, and he uh, he left to Santos Laguna. Yeah, Monetti uh, is 27, so I'm going to say. For a goalkeeper, I'm going to say that's young, and I'm going to say him, um, because it gives us an answer, at least. Um, Carlon also asks, fittingly enough, given what Andres just said, what are your thoughts on Jeronimo Rulli? Yes, he's one of the best, uh, clearly, from, uh, from Argentinian keepers uh, playing outside, playing abroad. Um, in, in fact, he's been called up for the national team, not... Uh, not being the, the, the goalkeeper uh, regularly because 
eh, Romero, as we have been saying here, has an incredible record eh, being the goalkeeper eh, for national team, eh, not playing his team, but eh, Rulli is there if in case I think he eh, Romero has eh, any problem, he will be the one chosen. Mm-hmm. Uh, Paul Odegaard asks, um, where is it? Superliga. Spanish model, surely not a good idea. He's referring to the, because uh, I asked for some clarification, uh, he's referring to the uh, very um, inequitable division of television yes. rights that exists in the Spanish top division. Uh, no, it's not. No, well, if, if Superliga uh, finally uh, is done um, and, and the clubs have to negotiate their, themselves the, the, the money they will receive and that stuff uh, separated from, from AFA. Uh, yes, that will mean that the uh, that big clubs will have much more budget. Or well, not necessarily, because the big clubs have the option to say, yeah, a strong league favours everybody and therefore we can allow a, a more equitable sharing. But of course the danger, and something that's already been mentioned a hell of a lot, particularly, surprise, surprise, by fans of these big clubs on Twitter and, and the like... Um, is this idea of, well, you know, everybody's paying their subscription money, if you're having to pay subscription money, to watch River and Boca. So why should River and Boca share money with Sarmiento and Crucero del Norte and Atletico Tucumán or whatever? Um, when obviously the, the answer is, well, those clubs are playing in the league as well, and if you have a very weak league overall, River and Boca start to lose out from that. Um, but it's not something that, that people seem to... Or that a lot of people, I would say, sorry, a lot of people don't give a toss about that here. They think about the fans, you know, are thinking about what's good for their club in the short term, not what's good for everybody in the in the longer term. Uh, but I think we can all agree that it would be a very bad idea in a league that is already um, as uneven as, as the Argentine league can be in terms of a lot of the institutional advantages that the big clubs have, in terms of a lot of the... Um, whether you believe the conspiracies or not, but in terms of a lot of the perception of, of the refereeing advantages that the big clubs have and so on, um, I would say that uh, a model that follows a little more closely, say the Bundesliga or the Premier League, um, in terms of, of television money distribution, um, would be fairer, let's say. Yeah. Um, in fact, it would arguably be fairer in Argentina than it would in, in the Premier League, because in Argentina... Obviously, the the other stuff, the 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 match day income at the stadium and all the rest of it, well, it there's not as much of a disparity there. Okay, maybe for River and Boca. Independently of the structure of the of the league and, and the Super League and the Super whatever, uh, food, Argentine football hasn't been uh, unf- has been unfair and uh, and and not very trans- transparent. So transparency and fairness. Mm. I don't think that uh, because there is Tinelli is the president to to put a name uh, would be independent uh, from June uh, just independent uh, just transparent and, and, and fair uh, when the history hasn't been like that. Uh, no. I, I don't think it will be. But well, uh, we have we have to, to to wait until June, and and it's not clear. Uh, well, Luis Segura has already said he won't be the a candidate uh, in June so we have Tinelli and perhaps Armando Perez perhaps I don't know um, one or two others as well I think the, yes. Liga, the Liga del Interior which Tapia. is like the um, uh, the sort of sub-commission let's say of all of the clubs together from below about the second or third division and from the interior yes. of the country are going to nominate a candidate as well and that candidate given the number of clubs behind him uh, is likely to have a fair chance perhaps if he if he stands uh, whoever it will be, I say he because, of course, let's face it, <laughs> it would be a wonderful day for Argentina and, and for them um, in, in so many ways and for football if the AFA president were to be a woman, but it's not going to be. Um, Paul Odegaard asks, What the hell has also asked? Sorry, because of course he asked the last question. He also he says, Also, what the hell has happened to De Paul at Racing? Fallen off the face of the earth. That's a very good question. Yes. I've not seen him play in a while, I don't know whether he's injured. Um, Oh, Rupert Fryer, in fact, has butted in to say he's injured, isn't he? And uh, apparently he is. So, yeah, maybe. Um, and Jose M asks, what is going on with Central? They've only won one of the last seven in the Primera. A disappointing ending to the season. 
I would say, first of all, wait until the ending of the season, because there are still four games to go in the league, and also, uh, the very short answer is that it's not that disappointing, because they're in the knockout stage of the Copa Libertadores. Um, they started the season clearly uh, favouring the Primera and putting the Copa Libertadores as second priority because they saw the Primera as a more winnable competition. And I think that now they've realised basically that they, that, that they can't um, the, catch up in the Primera. Central are in uh, Group 1 of the Primera and at the moment... Oh, bloody hell, where have the standings gone? Hang on a second. At the moment, uh, they are in fifth and they are five points off Godoy Cruz and San Lorenzo who jointly lead Group 1 well, actually it's not really jointly because uh, contrary to what I said last week it turns out that goal difference is the main um, separator in the in the groups uh, this year perhaps I'm wrong but uh, I think or I believe Caudet isn't uh, rotating very much the, the, the team he's 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 doing a little bit. I mean, he he did it far more noticeably in the first couple of Libertadores group stage uh, group games. There were quite a lot of changes made since then. He stopped doing it. I think it's now pretty clear. Um, Oh, the second half of Racing Atletico Mineiro. Sorry to interrupt myself. Has has kicked off fairly recently, and Oscar Romero almost just scored from a spectacular free kick from way out wide. Um, It's pretty clear to me now, anyway, that Central are prioritising the Libertadores. I mean. They're thinking we, we're probably not going to win this, but we could have a good run in it because they're playing noticeably better in the Libertadores than they are in the league. Um, so that would be my answer to Jose. That's it for your questions. But we've got coming up after this next piece of music, uh, our mystical guest predictions for this week. This week, your guest predictions are brought to you by Mystic La Liga Gav, um, who is trying to beat Mystic Phil's score from last week, which was 6 out of 15. If you looked on the Handapod blog to check Phil's scores during the weekend, you will have noticed that I only put 13 of those games up. Um, I have since edited it, so the last two are included because I missed them off somehow. I'm not sure how that happened. Anyway, La Liga Gav's predictions for this weekend are Aldo Civi versus Union is a home win. As is Estudiantes versus Newell's Old Boys. Colón v Olimpo and Patronato v Atlético de Rafaela are both draws. Independiente will beat San Lorenzo in Avellaneda. Belgrano and Quilmes will draw in Cordoba. River Plate versus Beles will be a home win for River. Godoy Cruz versus Arsenal is going to be a home win for Godoy Cruz. Huracán will get a home win against Racing. San Martín will beat Defensa y Justicia in Florencio Barrena. That's an away win. Uh, Argentinos versus Boca will finish all square in the Clásico Junior Sensi, which is not a Clásico. That's a joke I make every time those two teams play. Uh, Central versus Gimnasia will be a win for Rosario Central. Tigre will draw at home to Lanús. Atlético Tucumán will get one of only two away wins that La Liga Gav is predicting this weekend against Tempele and Banfield will beat Sarmiento in El Sur. What do you think of those, Andres? Well, I, I hope River defeats Vélez, uh, but the problem is that they will play on Saturday, uh, one day and a half. As will everybody, pretty much. There are no Sunday games this weekend. Ah, because, because of the workers' day. The 1st of May, yeah, yeah, sorry. Workers day, which I, was for, I forgot about that. I, I had done as well until I saw the fixture list, and I've got yes. to admit, I'm very happy about it, because it gives <laughs> me and my girlfriend a chance to go and do something else on Sunday, once the Man United game's finished, anyway. But that means that the River will play one day and after and a half after playing uh, for the Copa Libertadores, same mm. as Boca. Uh, and, uh, well, as a consequence, Gallardo uh, will, of course, put a, a very, very different team, rotating a lot, as I asked him, uh, well, not him directly, but I thought he could have done this before, uh, to just to, to, to see uh, what, uh, if there are uh, any any minor divisions players uh, 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 with aptitude to, to, to be in the, in the Primera. Uh, yeah. Well, and so I, I see difficult for River to win that match, I hope, but well, they, I think the, the result there will be a draw, but uh, well, we will see. Otherwise, I think it's fairly safe, maybe. I think Central versus Gimnasio could be a little more interesting, maybe. As uh, one of our questioners recently pointed out, Central have only got one win in the last seven in the league. Um, 
And there are one or two others that I think could be questioned. But then again, you never know what's going to happen in this league. Hopefully, one thing that is going to happen in this league this weekend is more goals, please, now that there are no Classicos anymore. Please, let's get back to this almost three per match nonsense that we've had all year because it's been a lot of fun to watch. If you've been listening this week then uh, and you're going to be watching the games this weekend, then uh, hopefully you do enjoy them. And for now, it's goodbye from Andres. Goodbye, thank you. And goodbye and thank you from me. Goodbye. The Copa Libertadores has produced yet another set of low-scoring matches after the weekend's league games. Racing got a nil-nil draw at home to Atletico Mineiro, a match that they possibly should have won, really, um, in their first leg earlier on. And just now, Rosario Central have got a very impressive 1-0 away win over Gremio in Porto Alegre. Um, they probably should have been further ahead at half-time, and then in the second half they, they were able to relax a little bit. Um, so everything's still to play for next week. <laughs>